The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is August 11th, 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Oh, no sound on mine. I don't know. Is that some bullet? Yeah, I got the bullet 10 tonight. Nice, staying a little uh, Hedora, Reposado. Okay, okay, okay. How's it going, man? Not too bad, Kev. Uh, Weirdly, I listened to a pod I think we did about two weeks ago Mm -hmm. that only just got uploaded. (laughs) Hey, you know, whenever you're pulling... 70 and 80 hour work weeks some things have to get moved to the back the highlight of last week's or yeah it wasn't two weeks it was last week highlight of last week's episode was that i made two predictions that were both correct oh god here we go (laughs) but then i also said said that there's no way that this team is gonna beat columbus both you and tim both shamed me for calling an Atlanta win against Columbus. And had you known that Joseph Martinez would not play in that game, I probably would have gotten shamed more. And yet here we are at a (laughs) 3-2 win and a draw against Montreal. So two more points for your boy. And actually, we're going to make it three because I called for Columbus that one of Atlanta's goals would be by Barco, and he did score one of those goals. He actually scored two. So he scored a beautiful goal. Holy oh, moly, dude. that first goal oh, was awesome! So great, so great. I did call the fluke Sosa goal, so I didn't get anything for goals against Montreal, but I got one for the result and then two for result and goal score against Columbus. Uh, Tim does get one point for his 3 2 call for Montreal. Uh, as he predicted that Joseph would score two with Sated scoring the third. Um, Joseph did score in that game, so he picks up one point there. So he has two now for the season. Two points? <laughs> two whole points? <laughs> two whole points to so our boy. What are, the, what are the standings then? Um, well, I'm well ahead. And you're in second, yeah. and Tim's mm. in third. <laughs> uh, what? I'm sorry, I meant the point totals. Oh, I'd have to go through and add them all up. I've just got them all on all. Oh, oh, okay. Cards. So it's not so really, it's not... it's not really official that you're in the lead. It's just that you haven't done the math. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, it's official, Dan. 
I'm clutching at straws, Cap. I'm clutching at straws. Very well official. Very, very well official. Um, thank you to everyone who came and tuned in tonight. Uh, if you want to make sure you get a notification whenever we go live each and every week, be sure to go over to YouTube. Um, I think we have a bit.ly link, uh, bit.ly dot or bit.ly forward slash H before D YouTube or something like that. Anyway, go over to YouTube, be sure to like subscribe. Um, Maybe it's get home before dark or home before dark. YouTube. I don't know what the link is. Just I mean, just go to YouTube and yeah, yeah, it's easy to find. However, you found us, like, subscribe, hit the bell icon to find out whenever we go live. That said, everybody tuning in, hanging out in the trap. Elliot Beaven, Chiefs coach Steve, um, Max plays games. Who else we got? Kendrick Brock already with the Pineda out hashtag. First to lead the charge there. Never too early to rebel against a coach. Joe, I mean, he, he's never won an MLS game as a head coach. So, that's yeah. true. That's true. Joe Johnstone, um, Sal Lopez. Uh, who else we got in here? I think that's it for right now. I'm sure Brittany S. is lurking in the shadows, and Michelle will be joining us shortly. Always keeping an eye out for those two. Again, we are recording on Wednesday night, so that's where it comes in, helping to hit that bell icon to get a notification. Unfortunately, between work and other commitments this week, Tim won't be here, um, and we had to reschedule from Monday to tonight for Dan and I. So That's right. Anyway, excited to be here. Um, so with that, maybe before we get into the games, we can finally have a breaking news time where we're recording and we get news about the team, and it's not the day after we record, which is nice. So uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet that had just come out um, – I mean, it was it was at like like an hour ago um, that it oh, came out. Yeah, so um, Nico so Moreno is... is he he tweeted something that's kind of blowing up um, right now. It hasn't been confirmed or anything, but he he tweeted this is at El Rolo uh, NW on Twitter. Um, I'm told that Sounders assistant coach Gonzalo Pineda has come to terms with. Atlanta United and will be signed to a three-year contract, putting him char- putting him in charge of the team immediately. We will wait for official word from either Seattle or Atlanta, but it appears the deal is done. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about that happening. I think Felipe said yesterday, no, obviously no uh, official report as as of that time. Uh, but it seems like there are some reports coming out uh, from within that organization that he would be coming over here. I know that he was not present for the Sounders most recent game that they had. So that may be a sign that that is heading in that direction, but uh, I would expect for us to get some sort of direction or confirmation here soon, one way or the other. Uh, I think what, what uh, Felipe had said yesterday from Bocanegra was that obviously, you know, they're, they're looking at a lot of different people or something along those lines. So nothing, nothing definitive yet on that front, but uh, a big jump from the 10 months it took us between our last two managers to the 150 days or whatever it's been since, <laughs> since we released uh hindsight to, to pick up Pineda potentially. So um, yeah. Or no, what was it? Um, no, it was 140. Uh, I'm got to shout out uh, Ronald Pena over at uh, Parceros United. Um, 
He said it was 147 days is how long it took Atlanta United to announce Heinze after Frank DeBoer's mutual parting. It's 24 days now since Heinze's firing. So less than a month and potentially getting a new manager in. Um, yeah. How many games did um, Stephen Glass win? Was it two? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it had to be more than that because we sacked Frank at the MLS's back tournament and we still had like, 15 or 16 games after that surely we didn't only win two games on the back half of the season last year did we probably not we probably won more than that but um it was i was trying to think like how many because i guess the rv as i like to call him has only won one only only won one that's been his in, entire impact yeah. um i'm kidding of course uh and then i was trying to think about how steven glass was um i'm pulling it up now to see when i think when you compare the two i was a lot more excited about rob valentino because we've had like this dearth of play since basically the beginning of 2020 and uh five wins for glass thanks kendrick brock um how so how many so kendrick how many games did he play and then what's the winning ratio for all of those please yeah. It's 809. Let's see how long it takes, Kendrick. Um, so what Matt was news to good to see you in the trap too. Looks like Pineda's guy from Nico Moreno, which we had mentioned. Uh Kendrick Brock saying jokes aside, Pineda's a great hire. Hopefully he can be a long term successful manager for our club. Um Kendrick also coming in with the four draws and ten losses on that. So what is that? Nineteen games by my math. Um, so almost uh 50 50 split there between results versus losses, I guess. If yeah. You want to kind of break it out that way. About that. I Man, it's better, better than Heinzer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With minus a DP. Yeah. Mm. What up, Ron? So, yeah, as we were mentioning, uh, Ron actually in the trap with us tonight. So, good to have you here, man. How are you feeling about the signing? How's everybody feeling about the signing? How are you feeling about the signing? potentially dan if it if it goes through um obviously we have another signing to also talk about before we even get into the games which we may see this weekend but we'll see oh yeah um Um, i'm quietly optimistic about it i think um you know i just look all you can do is look at um seattle's success and just assume that he has uh, a, a large part in that um I think the players love him. He's widely regarded as the best assistant in the league. Um, I'm hoping. So, yeah, I, I think it's a funny, like, you go from Tato Martino to Frank DeBoer to Gabriel Heinzer and then to be trying to wine and dine Fonseca. And then you go to an assistant head coach, assistant head coach in the MLS. It seems like it's a weird bouncing around like where's where's your priority like where are you heading it seems kind of a little bit scattershot but i'm i would hope that uh, pineda does really well here um he's got to have a whole bunch of discipline i mean if you've got the likes of players like um stephen fry um trying to think of some other seattle stalwarts but if you've got the respect of those players i mean you've got to have the respect of, of the atlanta united players like these young you know, we've one of the youngest squads in the league. Um, yeah. So you've got to be really excited about about what he can bring. And definitely, 
you know, Seattle, like, they don't seem to have any sort of, like, uh, identity that's apart from they just seem to always react. Always contention. <laughs> always being contention. Like, no. just they play to, they play every game to win, and it doesn't matter how they do it. So you would imagine someone who's been involved in a sort of a culture like that is got to be great for MLS and it's got to be great for, um, um, from, from young kids coming up like the, the Ibarra's Lopez, you know, Sosa, all of the guys. So it's going to be really interesting. Well, especially for guys getting into the league to kind of get their, you know, get their bearings, so to speak on how things operate and, and how things are run internally and also just how to manage that schedule and managing players, I think, um, within rotation, which was maybe one of the shortcomings of hindsight where players just sort of, you know, a lot of those injuries weren't necessarily game worn injuries. They were arguably from overexertion and overtraining and stuff like that. We can go round and round about whether or not a lot of those accounts that surfaced were legitimate or not, but um, it's pretty clear that there was very little rotation in those lineups. And a lot of those players were fatigued out of, playing week over week so um i i don't know man i i think that it's so how much stock do you put it because correct me if i'm wrong frank DeBoer had a five-year contract right oh man i can't remember surely something like along those lines maybe i thought two so. or three so, years so that's what i was gonna say is like i don't really put a whole lot of stock in a three-year contract i mean it's especially with atlanta's track record right now it's like even if they bring them in they'll just buy them out you know <laughs> well that i mean that's a good point i mean i don't really think anything of the length of the contract exactly. if, if he has results they'll offer him an, a longer one and if he doesn't then they'll get rid of him you yeah, know it's exactly i guess it's like how much like you're saying how much are we willing to buy out if it doesn't go well right right um you know i think that picking up so there's going to be some growing pains right like he's he's un unproven i guess as a manager but it's every manager has to start somewhere, so to speak. And it's like, it's not like he's just going from how I put this. It's not like he's made the transition from being a player to all of a sudden being a coach. Like he's gone through the ranks and sort of learned. And the next logical step would be for him to be a head coach. And that's gotta be somewhere. Um, I don't know why yeah. it wouldn't be, you know, it seems like it would be a good fit with good timing right now. And we get the benefit of kind of onboarding him mid season in that it's like the sky's the limit right now. Like it was kind of the same thing we're talking about RV, right? Like there's, there's no real downside to it. He's just brought in to kind of keep the ship afloat and try not to tank everything. And if there's some results and Atlanta makes a run great. Uh, I think it's the same thing for a new manager, right? Like we're not going to put so much pressure that all of a sudden he's got to bring us to the top of the East because we're in a position where that's just not logistically possible at this point. Um, but if he somehow starts to get things clicking and has some time with the players to kind of build some trust and loyalty and also some actual chemistry within the locker room and on the field, that's certainly a positive going into next season and in any roster moves that they take in the off season to know what, he'll have a better understanding of what the holes are and what he's wanting to deploy with the team, which I think is beneficial rather than him coming in the off season, which is what's happened the past couple of years. So I think from that standpoint, it's really good. And I'm glad that they did that uh, sooner rather than later, which they hadn't done previously. 
Um, yeah, I think the I think that's a good point because he's going to have more of the intangibles that you need for specifically for MLS and how it, it it is such a funky league. And I just go back to Seattle again. I mean, they've beaten every single team in the league. Right. Right. Um, we haven't. We there right. are still. I don't. We haven't beaten Seattle. We've never beaten. Um, well, we've never beaten Red Wolves in the regular season. Red Wolves, that's it. We that's beat. It. We have beaten Toronto. There's another team. Well, we haven't played Austin. We've never beaten Miami. Miami, that's right. And uh, I think there's one more with the names, but there are some weird random teams that we haven't. Yeah. But Seattle's thrashed everyone. Well, not thrashed, yeah. but got the best of. Yeah. Um, so some. Some comments from around the trap here. Uh, Ron mentioning the signing's okay. What's more important is the project the front office has for the near future. Um, I still don't think the front office has a clear plan. Uh, Jay Hennibal, I'll let you know what the, about the signing once we get past LAFC. Uh, Max plays games. I'm digging it. He just about hits our needs right on the head. I, I tend to agree with a lot of that stuff. Um, like Kendrick Brock echoed that the Sounders at Heart articles about him and Atlanta United have been very complimentary of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly a positive. We talked about this early on. Like, does Atlanta go for some someone that has MLS, like an MLS veteran and the coaching carousel, so to speak? Like, I think this is the next best thing, obviously. Like, because... I feel like there's going to be more of a give and take. And I think that Rob Boostry kind of touched on this um, earlier today where it's like, you don't have, there's no talk about a system right now, bringing him in. Right. Like there, there, I think that he's just as moldable and adaptable transitioning into a head coach, a head coaching role as the team also needs to be right now, where we need to figure out how these things can work together. And I think that's what, has honestly been good about this tenure under RV lately. It's like, mm-hmm. you saw that against Columbus, especially where it's like, just go play. And I think as the team does that more, you can address some of the chemistry issues that we were like, that's consistently been lagging over the past couple of years. Like my God, if that could be summed up in one play, the link up play to start that game with Barco's goal, but yeah. you know, the way that that buildup took place with the layoff from Bello and, and the distribution pattern that took place in that, in that lead up, like that's what this team really needs. And I think that if you have a manager and have an extended period of time where the players can naturally figure some of that stuff out for themselves, you can try to mold that into some sort of a system rather than trying to force all the players into a system that prohibits any of that chemistry from ever being able to develop. And and it, it it's just sort of um, pigeonholed into something that it, it maybe doesn't need to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. You're allowing players to play to their strengths, which right. I think is, which I think that Seattle do that fair amount. The frustrating thing for me and just kind of tempers my excitement on it is I don't know how much is him, how much is Schmetzer. It's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of faith that we're putting into this hire that we don't know that, that are just educated guesses. There's no like tape that we can watch that he's like, okay, well, this is what he tends to do. Yeah. Um, and from an outside perspective, we just don't know what goes on 
in the in the locker room we don't know what goes on with those with those meetings or, yeah. or media availability or anything like that so um i'm i'm cautious i'm cautiously optimistic i feel I like i think that's the best way anybody yeah. can be right now because it is i mean i think that there's enough to be optimistic about like you said like there's enough there that you're like oh this could really work there's also a lot that it's like i can see this not working out but are we really in any worse shape than we are right now anyway like again it's like it's kind of found money if it works out because the team as it stands currently and as it's been run at least from a culture standpoint it seems like from inside the organization has just not been what it needs to be and maybe yeah. maybe he can get it there and start to create its own like i all i want is a manager to create not just not just results on the field, but a culture inside the locker room. And that I think that's what's been so successful about what Seattle's done year over year with the players that come in and out is they've, they've formed some sort of a player culture within the organization that Atlanta United, I just don't know has really found it yet. You know, there's been talks from manager to manager about how to employ that, you know, it's the, European pipeline, the South American pipeline and having casual sort of pickup games before our matches, because that's a very South American sort of approach to how you get ready for a game versus rigid training before a game and like that kind of stuff and how involved the coaches are in the players' lives. But like, there's still just no consistency or, or overall exuberance of a culture or just a joy from the player's standpoint as a cohesive unit, I feel like. But we're starting to see some spark of that right now coming off of a really great win for the team. So, Yeah, I think – and that's one thing I think Garvey's done well is he's let the guys play comfortably. Like he's let them make the decisions of how they want to play so they automatically – will play to their strengths so you imagine well i imagine anyway that pineda would come in just observe for a game or two and then see how we can make tweaks here and there um one good thing about it is he's probably going to be keeping rob valentino around because that was what he doesn't have he doesn't have any pre-established backroom staff so maybe we grab a couple more guys from seattle i mean like it seems like it's going really well like, I think that if you can build on that and kind of get him to learn from what Pineda has been doing in that role and he maybe takes on that role here for Atlanta. And then obviously he's, he's taking, there's like this sort of sharing of information regardless of title. Like, I think that that could be a really good approach to this entire scenario to where, again, players aren't just getting this whiplash of going from manager to manager and approach to training versus games and how to conduct themselves on and off the field to just allowing them to be players and and figure out some of this stuff on the field together, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think having Rob will be – it will be really – it will be a foolish move if, if Pineda doesn't keep him on because he's got – Rob's got the respect of the players and and everything, Agreed. and I feel like, I know I feel like there was I mean, Ron Parceros, I guess that's Ron in the trap saying yeah. there won't be a culture as long as Bocanegra is there. Well, I disagree because I feel like I mean Tata had established a culture, yeah. um, and I I feel like I mean Frank De Boer, 
probably wasn't here long enough, but there wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a touchy feely, nice, happy culture. Right. Uh, and Heinzo wasn't here long enough. And obviously glass. And it seems like Rob Valentino is the one guy that's kind of been that con- constant thread. So hopefully Pineda can come and, and create a positive culture. And cause I feel like Rob has started laying the foundations right, right now that we're all seeing this come to fruition. So, um, yeah, Bocanegra does come across as a very sort of regimented zero personality kind of guy. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to defend the guy, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised. I'll be, I'll be surprised how long to see, I'll be interested to see how long he, he sticks around. Uh, But if, if all this goes well and Atlanta, you know, you're successful in the next season or so, I mean, he's probably going to be here to stay. So I feel like we, they're not just going to get rid of him if we're winning. No, no, absolutely. So it's kind of like we want him to be here because that will mean the team's doing well. (laughs) So, I don't know. So maybe switching our attention to the other signing and uh, announcement that came through for the team over the past week, which Brittany S. had a question on, um, which was about if Luis's visa had come through yet. Uh, I think that from what I've read, that's going to be close to a game, game time decision from what I saw in the press conference and what had been reported online from others that I think that they're still awaiting a couple of those things to be finalized. Um, he's here obviously. And I think he's probably getting involved in some training, but um, as far as whether or not he'll be available to actually play on Sunday, it's the, the jury's still out right now until they get all that figured out. So yeah. yeah Kendrick said, Brock said the same thing. Yes. Yeah. He can practice, but not play. Yeah. Again. Right. So I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about this signing. Um, what I've seen from tape, uh, what I kind of feel like he could do for us. Um, I feel like this could be an excellent signing um, because, you know, he's he's very, very technical. Um, he can dribble circles around entire teams, it seems, from the highlights, granted, right. they're highlights. Uh, but he seemed, one thing, that the one of the best things, I think, is his attitude is positive. And he came in, comes in in his press conference and he says... I want to show the MLS who I am. I want yeah. them to show who Luis Araujo is. Uh, I want to win the league with this team. So yeah. you you kind of got to really get behind that. You know, it's a sort of a Miguel Almiron sort of personality uh, that, that we want to see there. Um, the, so what do you think? The pity replacement, Kevin? I hope well, not. No, I hope not too. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe the what pity was supposed to be, maybe. Um, Parcero's commenting, just hope he doesn't sky a single shot for the sake of y'all's sanity. I hope that um you guys don't buy into him before he's played a match and then he skies every shot for your sanity. <laughs> <laughs> so to Dan's point, I'm also cautiously optimistic. I just don't I guess my concern with him is, like you said, like it's a highlight reel right now, obviously has a a really successful season this past year um, and was really a player that probably could have gone elsewhere with his stock being as high as it was, I would assume, coming off of that season there. But with that said, like I think that he's taking a very humble approach here and 
I think that he's got a different, I guess, a different, obviously a much different circumstance than pity that he's not coming in with all these expectations, expectations leveraged upon him as a DP and like Mm -hmm. how much he's costing the team and South American player of the year and every, everything else that I think pity came along with. Um, Maybe he won't be as lazy as pity was to Kendrick Brock's point, but at the same time, like, I think that maybe to Elliot Beavitt's point, maybe he's the Tito replacement and and maybe he's not a replacement at all. He could just be his own thing, which is what I'm really hoping for because I think he has to be, to be able to fit into this lineup wherever he's going to go. And I think that's my biggest cause for concern right now is I don't know how he fits in here. Um, From what I was reading, he's more, he's more naturally a right winger that way he can pull the ball over to his left foot. But obviously like he can be employed on deployed on the left side, but you've got Barco and Moreno kind of sharing duties there on the right side. He's competing with um, Lennon. So I don't, but also like he could potentially slot in behind Joseph from what I was reading in another article. So I just, I don't know how he fits in to this whole thing. Um, so, so I think, um, so two things going back to, I think that it's right to have expectations on him as a DP. Uh, but the thing with, with pity was he won South American player of the year. So there, there, it seemed was like, oh, well, this guy should just be coming in like Messi, just destroying things to the, to the, you know, to the, un, the, the lay soccer fan. Right. Right. Um, and it's almost like we we ended up buying him up here when we should have bought him down here. But that but that's what awards and accolades do. They they inflate your price. Um, so I think there was and you know coming off of um, selling Almiron and like he's he's and he's just they're oh, two yeah. different types of players. So I think I think there were way too much unwarranted expectations on pity. But as a DP, you absolutely should have expectations on you. I think. You know, you're a DP. You you should be able to perform under pressure. Yeah. Um. So, to the fit, um, I actually feel like, you know, it it is. I want so I want a winger on either side, and I want my wingers inverted because I want them to be able to to cut in. So, if you have, so if you set them up with like Moreno in the middle, which I think he's best centrally, Barco on the left, Arujo on the right. Joseph in the middle, then you kind of attack in with all four of those guys. And then if you have Bello and uh, Lennon pushing up on the wings, you've got a potential attacking um, one, two, three, four, six players. And then you've got potentially Rosetto right behind to clear up any loose balls. And then you'd have that back three of Robinson, Sosa, uh, and Walks when you're in attack mode. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of how I feel it fits in. I feel like it's just going to have a really good front three right behind Joseph, regardless of how you play it. Whether you play a three-five-two, whether you play a four-two-three-one, um, I, I feel like just guys like that are going to be going to be really good because that's what we've needed. You know, the the argument with Heinzer was our defense was great, but they would let in goals because our offense just couldn't right. do anything. Right. Uh, but now we've seen more shots and stuff and our defense is kind of, you know, I think we're just getting back on the wagon with Robinson being out and walks and Franco not having as much of established relationship. Um, so I think it's a good signing on paper 
until we actually see some results. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I think it's just, there's too many unknowns. I, I won't put the kind of pressure that Kendrick is saying. He needs a combination of at least 10 goals and assists for the rest of the season. In his opinion, I don't know about that. Um, a, a more important question I think is Alex Hopner, which I think is a new name in the trap, which thanks for joining us. If it is, um, do we make the playoffs with the new signing? With the new signing versus because of the new signing are two different questions, I think. But um, is that the difference maker potentially for the team? I think it certainly could be if we're creating more chances. And if Columbus isn't just a one-off game to max plays games points where it's, you know, what I saw in that Columbus game was great. But I also Mm -hmm. saw great games early on in this season, and then the team wasn't producing that level of chance creation and opportunities for long stretches of time after that. Um, Columbus was a great game. Don't get me wrong. And it was a great game without Joseph Martinez in the lineup. So Yeah, it was. um, What I think is a promising trend outside of just the Luis signing is that the team is starting to get healthy again. They're, they seem to be playing in a different sort of um, mentality where they seem like they're enjoying the game rather than it just being a job, for lack of a better term. Um, and they're actually doing things that we hadn't seen them do. And again, it's a small sample size, but we – yes – this Columbus game is the one result in the past 13 matches where Atlanta gets a win. However, there were other matches where Atlanta drew or even took a loss over the past four games where they are creating those chances and are looking much better on the ball. I think my biggest cause for concern right now is that though the Columbus result did take place, this team consistently drops goals late in matches when they're in a position to win they've done that on multiple occasions this year they let in very sloppy goals on defense with a defense that is surrounded by and and staffed by veteran leadership including miles and walks and bell these these players that we know are really talented it's sosa back there you know you can't let in the slop goals like great goals are going to happen but you can't just let in the trash and so like defensively giving up games late and in these past two games three of the five goals were scored off of pks like that's that's also something that you've got to take into consideration there because this isn't though they're creating chances absolutely and yes that's a positive trend it's not like that's five goals that were all scored in the run of play that's that's over 50 percent were from pk you know yeah i i get your thing on the pk i the way i look at pks is you're you're producing pressure on a defense and the defense makes a stupid move uh to to try and push you off so i don't i don't have a problem with penalties i know it it makes people feel better about it when they're from the run of play um but i'll take man i'll take a i'll take oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely absolutely um i don't think so i've been perseverating on this i'm I don't think we make the playoffs. I think it's going to be, I think we may win more games with Aroju than, than we would without him. Um, I still, I saw Brittany in the trap. Dang. What if we finish eighth? I kind of think like eighth, ninth is probably where we're going to end up because we've got, 
we're six points behind the playoff line. Yeah. And then Red Bulls, who are ninth, so we're 10th, Red Bulls are ninth. They have a game in hand on us. And also Miami have a game in hand on us. And they're only two points behind us. Miami have two games in um two games on um in hand. So that's potential six points that would, you know, kick us out of contention. And then um Cincinnati have a game in hand, and they're also two points behind us. So uh, you know, if we can take we play Miami two times, two more times this year, and you know, they've suddenly put together a <laughs> A, a decent well i think they've won the last two games but i feel like there's there's just i feel like we we just have we're too too much in a hole to dig ourselves out i would i'm i am happy to be proved wrong i would love us to make the playoffs because i think if we made the playoffs we would have a really good mentality to in a knockout competition because we'd have a huge chip on our shoulder um i just don't think I don't think it's possible. I think there's, there's, it's too much of a hill to climb. Can we just talk about how New England is silently putting together this run of a season that they're on right now? Currently sitting at 40 points with a 10-point lead in the East and six points ahead of Sporting KC in the Supporter Shield race right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, that's wild. Like, I mean, maybe it's just my own um, maybe blindness to other games around the league this season um, or inability to really watch a lot of that stuff. But, you know, sitting there with a 13 goal differential with a significant lead on both teams trailing them with the most wins, obviously the most points, but also with, you know, of their 19 matches, 12 of them are wins. Like that's a pretty incredible season. And we've still, I mean, we've still got what 15 games left to play, but still, yeah. Um, you know, Dan, to your point, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and I, I still, I, it's going to take us dropping a couple of those matches that we have coming up in the next couple of weeks. But I think that the back half of this season for Atlanta United is really favorable for them to make a run with everything else that is coming in, whether it's through players or managers or just feel good vibes for the team right now. Like I think yeah. that I, I don't think that this team all of a sudden is in third in the East by any means, but I, I right, think yeah, yeah. sneaking into that, sixth or seventh spot in the east for sure but it's going to take some things kind of going our way um to build on to make that possible for sure yeah and that's what scares me like if we won it, it's it, i feel like it's realistically it's going to be dependent on other teams slipping up yeah and i don't like for that to be the case for my team i mean if we if we i mean but you know to to win an mls cup you have to have elements of luck oh yeah um and and you're you're right i mean they're very they're very may well um clubs could slip up and you know afford us the opportunity and we could sneak in Uh, if we if we sneak in i mean if we get into the playoffs i feel like the only way is we sneak in but 
I just... I don't think we make a run for the cup. I've, I'm not saying that, but I think that it would be a console. Making the playoffs is a consolation prize for this season and this team. And I think that's a big win. Like that's the equivalent of winning the cup for this, the way this season has <laughs> gone. Let's be honest. I don't know. Really I good. feel like if you get in, I don't know. I feel like if we've get, got in, we've done really well. Absolutely. And then if we've got in, I also feel like we're heating up at that time. Right. So, I feel and I, I I feel like we have a really good core team of players. You know, barring any injuries, I think we have a lot of talent on this squad. But I feel like the depth drops pretty significantly just because of the youth of players. Right. So if we get in, I've if we get in, I feel like we could actually make a decent run at a cup in a knockout That'd tournament. That'd be awesome, man. That'd be really um, awesome. I just don't think we get in. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. So maybe that yeah. should be our our time to start talking about the game and our depth. So this week, um, let's talk about players, then we can talk about some stuff specific to games. Um, so like I said earlier, we, we're seeing the team get healthy again, which is really nice. Um, a couple of really big pieces in that health and additions to the lineup are Hosetu and Dom, which we had not seen since the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, and I think both had pretty significant performances over the past couple of games. What were your thoughts on those two? I, I mean, in my opinion, I think those are the biggest additions to this roster currently that we hadn't had previously. And while you're talking, I need to go get a tissue to blow my nose. Go ahead. So, so we want to talk about Montreal first. Okay. Uh, I don't think, I think Dam's garbage. I don't, can't stand him. Um, I think he's made an impact in terms of maybe one cross, but I just am not a fan of Dam. I mean, if he gets games under his belt, then I'm re- then maybe he can get some momentum going with the way he plays, but I'm hoping that um Aruju is gonna make Dam completely obsolete. Uh even more so. So I'm not happy with Dam. I thought um Rosetto was a very um well tell you what, let's just say can we just look at Montreal first and then maybe yeah, we can go to Columbus. Because I think Rosetto played awesome in Columbus. I was really happy with him. Oh absolutely. Uh, I thought Montreal it was it was interesting. They just um where is my where's my notes on Montreal? Okay, so sorry, Kevin. Totally unprepared. So Montreal, I'll start off. So I thought that in the Montreal game, the second half was certainly the highlight for both teams in that, <laughs> yeah. in that matchup. I mean, the first half was just a, a damn snoozer, man. There wasn't really much of anything that happened there. And obviously there was a lot of fireworks at the end of the Montreal match, which we'll we'll talk about with Joseph and the red card and the choke slams and all that other fun stuff. But um, as far as just operationally speaking in the run of play, like there just wasn't really a whole lot in that first half from either side. And I think that that started to open up a lot more in the second half. Um, I got to give at least some credit to Atlanta who was down two nil. Let's not forget that. Yeah, mm-hmm. They were down two nil and we're at like the 65th minute whenever that, that takes place at that point, you know, um, for them to be able to fight back, 
Joseph sort of leading that charge with a with a great goal to sort of open that up with the counter after I think it was just a couple of minutes after Montreal had scored their second. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved seeing the team fight back. Um, I know I mentioned Jose to and Dom, which I thought that, and and I'm not saying that Dom's like a DP level player, but it's nice to have somebody in that rotation whenever you haven't really had anybody like we've got to yeah, get that's true. Here. I will say that Hosetu has been head and shoulders above Dom's performance, but I don't think that Dom has been, you know, at the level of just non-serviceable or the level of frustrations that I have with someone like Kubo Torres, for example. You know, it's obviously <laughs> a smaller sample size, but I didn't I didn't think that either one of them put us in a position to lose that Montreal game. And if mm-hmm. anything, they helped us to get that lead because they, they helped set up some of that stuff, particularly with that first goal for Joseph, you know? Yeah, I think so. What I loved about the first goal for Joseph was, I mean, just like the first goal against Columbus, Barco going on an absolute terror of a run up the middle of the field absolutely, and then passing it off. Yeah. In 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 motion, like passing yeah. off and he kept going. Yeah. So he passed it off to Joseph. Joseph, I think Joseph still does a lot to yeah. to score that goal. Um but it was fantastic. It was great seeing that um that grit and determination from the team. Uh, and just seeing Joseph angry, like he looked pissed off oh, and yeah. wanted that. Absolutely. Uh we I feel like we've all been dying to see that for God's God knows how long. Well, he also got some service that we hadn't seen. Yeah. Like he almost gets on the end of that one header. I mean, it was just a couple of inches off from that upper left-hand corner of, of the mm-hmm. goal. Like, I mean, again, that's where getting these players in the lineup and getting them healthy to where you're not just having to rely on USL players as much as I love Tyler Wolf and Jackson Conway. They're not, I mean, Tyler Wolf just had a hat trick, but that's a side, besides. Um, <laughs> yes, that's but, you can't compare you. I mean, it, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, without having to depend on those players week in and week out, like it's good to see these players healthy and actually getting some link up play with Joseph, who needs that. Like he needs that distribution to be successful. He's not the type of player that's going to create those chances at on an individual level, right? Like I think that Moreno or Barco or, or will do that more times than not than Joseph is going to in the run of play. Like Joseph needs that distribution to get on the end of headers or those um trailing balls behind a defense or whatever. Yeah. Um you're exactly right. I feel like the there just needs to be more energy going forth in general uh and not have to be in these holes of uh in during matches to to claw its way like we just want to impose our will immediately like we did at the for the first five minutes of orlando Um, yeah and we did it against columbus yeah we did really well against Columbus. Yeah. We did really well against them, yeah. and and Montreal. I mean, maybe that was the turning point. That one yeah. right there, like maybe yeah. that because apparently I was listening to uh, Longshore and he was saying that how disrespectful the Montreal players were being in time wasting after their second goal, and yeah. Joseph was like, "This is this is bullshit." Oh yeah, they didn't even get, <laughs> like he scored his goal and the keeper like just threw it off to the side, like. Joseph goes up to get the ball to go set it at the half point so that they could get started. And the keeper like threw it off to the side. Joseph's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, 
it's great to see what we're seeing from Barco. I feel like he's been a new man since he came back from the Olympics. Uh, I'd never, I honest, to be honest with you, Kev, I didn't think we were ever going to see it again. I thought I he either. was just going to be. Either. I didn't either. I thought we were just going to sell him, take the L, and just move on. I thought that was how we were going to get Luis signed in anyway, was just trying to make <laughs> moves, man. Yeah. And maybe that's why Barco started playing good. He was like, oh, he... shit, we got somebody coming in. I need to, I need to show out here. Well, it was all the Almeida rumors because mm. the rumor mm. is we have signed Almeida. We just, um, he's coming in in January, but I'll believe it when he's holding the shirt. That's yeah. all. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe Barker was like, oh shit, I actually need to do something. Or otherwise, I'm probably going back uh, to either Saudi where I don't want to be or uh, back to South America when he wants to really wants to make a move over to Europe. Right. Because um, right. he's going to want some, a little bit of fanfare when he comes into Europe. Um, yeah, but man, that uh, that ruckus in the uh, Montreal's goal mouth with the with Boy. the uh, two red cards. I think my favorite part of that was the Montreal fan base. Whatever, uh, I forget who the ref was. He comes out obviously singles VAR, throws away the yellow, pulls out the red, shows the red to Joseph. Crowd goes crazy just as he turns to give the red to uh, I forget who their captain's name. Uh, Wanyama. Yeah, and then they get he gives the red to them, and then the crowd starts booing. It's like he he put his hands around <laughs> Joseph's neck. Like, how are you guys booing right now? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like that's yeah. one you just gotta say. T- like, okay, I get it, and I think that that's what I mean. And that was Joseph's response. Just shook his head. Yeah, like that's the right call. I mean, that's the only thing you can do in that situation. Both players let let the situation in the moment get away from them, and I think that. Um, luckily it was at the end of the game that didn't put either team in a diminished position. I feel like, I feel like it hurt Atlanta more than it hurt Montreal because Did it that, though? I mean, at that point, like Atlanta was going into the final 15 minutes, a man up. I mean, right, there's right, still right, a man right. up, but yeah. they were a man up with Joseph Martinez out on the field versus mm-hmm. being a man up and just trying to get out of there, you know? So yeah, David Gantar was a ref's name. Uh, I thought he was wildly, wildly inconsistent. Yeah. Um, he, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think if Joseph was had been in the game again, we probably would have won it. But yeah. then Sosa had that that chance at the end to uh, oh, yeah. steal it, but unfortunately pitied it over the bar. Um, yeah, that we can probably move on to, to yeah, Columbus well, you if mentioned- you want. Well, yeah, I mean, and this will be this will kind of springboard us into Columbus, which is uh, talking about Sosa and Brad Guzan. Um, the age old H before D debate: Gan or Guzan? <laughs> Gan or Guzan? Can or Guzan? Um, <laughs> continues to rear its head after Guzan let in, you know, several goals that you can argue maybe shouldn't he, he maybe shouldn't have um, that you could potentially argue that can maybe gets a better hand on, but you know, hindsight's always 2020 there. And then uh, Alex Hoffner asking, um, is it just me or is uh, Sosa been getting worse? Maybe teams are planning around him. Uh, I think that that's been the case ever since the first couple matches this season. Um, I think that the way that teams contain Sosa kind of makes or breaks that back line through the midfield, because he really is that, 
linchpin to the defense that can unlock that ability to move the ball forward. And then also the defense kind of forming around where he is going forward or tracking back. So I think that Brittany S mentioned, like, I think with him, it's probably just fatigue. I, I He's played every single game this season, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, that's a huge responsibility for one player, particularly for a defender and with the role that we've tasked him to do. Um, I'm hoping it's just fatigue. I don't think that he's the type of player that all of a sudden just isn't capable by any means. I think it is just the situation that he's been put in and, and fatigue. And then also just the other things going on around him, like the defense consistently rotating out as miles and others have been on international duty and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think, Personally, I think it's more. I do think teams have a game plan for Santiago Sosa. I think it's more of him missing Miles Robinson because um, him, Walks, and Robinson formed something really strong together. And as you know, Miles has been out, and uh, Walks and Franco have been in, and then we've gone. You know, like you're saying, Kev, there's been some rotation. I think that's been the problem. I've heard some people think, well, Heinzer is not there anymore, so that maybe that's the problem. I think, you know, Soto is still a young kid. I think there was a stat a few weeks ago that he's only played 39 professional games. I mean, he's played in Atlanta more than he's played anywhere. Like, River, he only had a couple of games because he's so young. Right. Um, I think he's... 20 or 22 but he just hasn't had those opportunities uh to play and i think part of it he's 22 i think part of it is he just just needs time to acclimate and to to figure out okay what are some small different things i need to be doing uh maybe a guy like pineda can do that because seattle have a whole bunch of different looks um so i'm i'm not worried about so so i think it's just kind of acclimatizing the different yeah. situations. Yeah. What about Guzan? How are you feeling about Guzan right now? Especially having a couple of games without him and see, like to Max's point, like is Guzan the most expensive keeper in the league? Good. No. You know, is, is not he, anymore. So, so that was my question. Is he the highest paid? He's not the highest paid keeper in the league. Yeah, is he, he is. is he really? he's, he's the highest paid by I believe three to four hundred thousand dollars, which is basically half his paycheck. Yeah. So you're so, getting into the 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 Howard debate there at a certain point where he was at the end of his career a DP in goal and not you know th- those teams were not any better having him there year over year. Uh, yeah. for the money that they were spending to have him back there. All right, I'm going to tell you one second to verify. Yep. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was right. I was wrong about what I said. So, yeah, Guzan's the highest at 805, 805,000. Then Kenneth Vermeer from LEF, oh, this was last year, or Vermeer is 750,000. Uh, Andre Blake's on 600,000, and then we go into the fives from there. Um but you know, Stefan Fry at Seattle, he's on five hundred thousand. And yeah. Sean Johnson from NYC's on five ten. Tim Mealy is on five hundred thousand. Yeah. Where is uh Galese's on four ten, which is 
man, they got a good deal with him. Shit, I'd I'd give I'd give Sean Johnson a 150k raise and just steal him. Well, yeah. I mean Matt Turner, who's been just lighting this league on fire, and won this country a gold cup. He's on three hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. So yeah, I mean he's de- Guzan is definitely not. Um, I think that not the, and Kendrick the mentioned this. Like you're you're basically paying for his tenure and leadership at this point, not for the performance on the field. And at a certain point, mm-hmm. that that money doesn't make sense, right? And I don't know if that's right. this year or if it's next year, but I don't see it going much longer than next year, personally. Based on that, what it's costing the team. Yeah, I think I really I'll be shocked if Guzan's with us next year. And to be honest with you, I feel like from what I've seen, I don't know if I could tell a difference between Ken or Guzan right now. Right. So that's that's my point. Is that, I mean, and Kendrick makes that point is like if Ken was actually an MLS caliber keeper, someone would have come and gotten him. Like, no, totally disagree. There are only, what, how many teams? 27 teams? There's 28 yeah. spots for a keeper. We've got plenty more keepers that are LMLS caliber that just don't have a starting spot. Yeah. So I don't. I just don't think there's anywhere for him to go. Yeah. So. But yeah, to your point, Dan, I don't see that much of a difference that warrants necessarily keeping him in there. Um, but I don't know how you can justify not having him in there, if that makes sense. Like, I can see why he's in there just from the optics standpoint and what he contributes to the team. But I don't know that I see enough of a difference between can and him that I'm like, Oh my God, Guzan is a liability over what. Oh yeah. I don't think he's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that Alec Mm -hmm. is that significant of a standout. Like, is he just as capable yeah, I'll make that argument. Is he more capable? I don't know that I'd go that far necessarily. I don't think that either one is putting you in a position to lock up games week over week and making these crazy saves or even, you know, getting the ones like this past week that were very, very in the realm of possibility to be kept out of goal. So, yeah, I feel like um, so can will be 32. Uh, oh, he'll be 32 next year. Um, Brad's going to be, he's going to be 37 in September. So I feel like with the amount that Brad is making, you, and I feel like Can has enough experience that he could take the spot from Guzan next year. And then you bring uh, Rios Novo potentially, depending on how he goes. Uh, into the fold, but I feel like a, a goalkeeper is a position where you want to have experience. I don't think it's yeah, a good idea no, no. having your first string keeper to be like an 18 year old, like 19 Rocco. year old. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, Tim Howard played, I mean, he's 42 now and he left the league, what, three years ago, four years ago? So he played till 38 or 39, which is, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking is our expiration date on Guzan. Like, I don't, I don't know that he's necessarily gone this year, but I don't see him playing for another five years with the team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's enough. We've seen enough that can is he's a decent goalkeeper and he's still, I feel like in goalkeeper years, he's still got some time to develop a little bit more. 
And he'll, I mean, the more ex- games he gets, like if he's the goalkeeper next year, then yeah, he, uh, he, he's the guy and can get better. But I don't know. Guzan got us an MLS Cup, so right. I'm fine with him. Agreed. So let's talk about Columbus. Um, what a game! <laughs> what a game! So let's uh, let's do. It this. definitely let's, wasn't boring, was it? Let, let's start this. Was it a fluke? Um, Will Columbus be a fluke game? Whenever you start looking ahead, no, I don't think it will because even though I feel like we've had decent, like with under RV, we've had a lot of potential, like. We played really well against Columbus at home. I feel like we played really well um, for the most part in Montreal. Um, And so I feel like there have been a lot of cases where we just haven't got the result, but we've been playing pretty decently. I think Columbus was the best that we've ever played um, under Rob. So I feel like this is just something to just build on. Um, and I could see us. I feel like our traje- trajectory is going up. Uh, so I don't think it's a fluke. No, I feel like if you put Joseph Martinez in that game, um, it's it could be a better, even better um, which, result. Which Which was it more? Atlanta's better playing or Columbus's worst play? I think it's a function of both, to be honest with you. I would like to see more that it's our playing because, I mean, we caught those two offside goals that they got called back. I mean, that's on us, like, you know, defending them better. Um, Yeah, set pieces are... uh, Matt uh, was a new ski in the chat trap saying set pieces still killing us. Yeah, they are. It's, It's frustrating um but i feel like there's a lot that we can we can that second goal i don't know how the hell that happened man just completely unmarked completely miles was trying to get in front of him i think it was on miles yeah that i mean jonathan mensa geez man i mean he scored on us at home and scored on us in their stadium um man it's been but I feel like haven't set pieces just been our kryptonite since the days of Tata? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. But yeah. um like I said, there's a lot to build on. Yeah. I feel like we're we're going in a positive way. And quite and I think Columbus right now is going in a downward trajectory as well. So it probably was a really good, you know, yeah. we had the frustration with Montreal and the anger and the fight back. But then we also had we I think we caught Columbus at a good time. But still, okay. they were not a bad team by no, any stretch no. of the imagination. No. I mean, Darlington Nagby, Jossie Zardes had a great World Cup, um, and Nagby's just fantastic. So, right. Right. I think um, I still think you have to be a good team to beat them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, what are your big takeaways from that game? that you want to see going forward uh, or big takeaways. And also what are some of the things that you expect to see maybe improved upon going forward as well? So Barco, 
there's a positive. Let's continue that. Yeah, no kidding. Rosetto, I feel like we've got someone who can, quite frankly, take over Ibarra's spot if he can continue to play that way. Um, Because Ibarra's so young. And then thirdly, I think... George Bello played it played a really good game as well. Dude, what a what a fantastic game for Bello. Not just defensively speaking, but again, like offensively, I he's just such a standout defender for me in the way that mm-hmm. like Escobar was, right? Like oh, yeah. That you just see these strokes of I don't want to say genius, but brilliance of him offensively that like we don't really have on the right side of the ball right now on the defensive side. Like it's been interesting to watch that transition as especially with uh, Lennon out. Yeah. Right. As Escobar's left. And now George has taken on that role essentially of doing that wing back of taking the ball up and really making some legitimate Mm -hmm. opportunities on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, like I said, that link up play with Barco may have been the best pass, the best single pass, all season for this team. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just running on just, loop, man. Just, just so great. And again, just the ability and wherewithal of them to, and that's what we were expecting, right? It was like the more that they play, the more bellow plays that, that, that sort of chemistry and awareness would, would come. And so it's nice to see the team just playing fast and loose and, and being able to just, do what they want to do and see some results come of that has been really nice to see. Yeah. I think an area to improve on would be just the defense, not, and I don't think the defense played bad. Um, I feel like I can't remember. Oh, the second goal was a penalty, wasn't it? Uh, the yeah, Santos second, penalty. Both of them. Yeah. Well, the, and the first one oh, against Mensa yeah. was, yeah. I mean, that was just a breakdown, but I feel like they played well, but I feel like there's just, they just need more time to gel to to include yeah. Franco, yeah. Because playing defense, I mean, you've got to have communication down. Yeah. Um, I learned that playing soccer with you, Kevin. Because um, you're always chatting, telling people what to do, quarterback in it, and it's so good to have to play with someone like that. Um, because you just you just feel more comfortable. You get, well, you get tunnel vision. That's the that's always the problem. Is like you just focusing on. You need somebody to kind of yeah like, yeah, yeah. see where everything else is going. On. Yeah, quarterback it. Um, but yeah, I don't think Robertson played his best game. I thought Franco was better until. Jeez, I don't know what he was doing when he let up oh, a penalty. Man. Just ran in and hip checked yeah, <laughs> whoever so it was. So it's like, bad. come on, dude. Um, but yeah, I I would love to hold on to Bello for another season. I mean, he could be. It would just be fantastic. Do how much do you think? Okay, this this is a fun conversation because I think that we'll be more in agreement than this Barco conversation that we started this season on with the thirty million dollar <laughs> price tag. What do you think it's going the price up? Value is going up. <laughs> what do you think the price tags will be for Miles and Bello? Because there's no way we keep both of them. What do you think they'll both end up going for if you were to speculate? I think the high end for Miles is between eight and ten because he's a center back. And quite frankly, he's American, which mm. I think right now, I think American players are going to a discount, which I think yeah. is very, very unfortunate. Uh, but it's just going to be a matter of time until, quite frankly, they take over the world. Um, 
Bello because he's a left back, because he's more in demand, which is a more in demand yeah, position. Yeah. I could see him going for. I don't know. He's so young, though. I mean, I think a team would take a flyer at twelve million, maybe. Okay. What do you was, What do you think? I was thinking eleven or twelve for Miles, and then you know potentially because Bellow's so young, like maybe you can get as high as 15. Like I, I think oh, that it's yeah, not yeah. outside of the, like just because of his age alone. And again, mm-hmm. both players having like, there's no doubt that both of their stock went up tremendously coming off of gold cup. And the more USMNT appearances that they both get, the better that's going to be long-term. Like yeah. it's just, it's undeniable. Like I just, Bellow's 19 right now. Like I just, if we, if, if he develops, if he has another year like this year, I don't know how, how he goes for any less than that, like 14, 15 range. Honestly, yeah. I just, especially like, I agree gotta... with you. He's going to be way more in demand as being left back for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, my only thing about miles, I think what, I think whatever miles is sold for, the fan base is going to be disappointed. Oh, absolutely. Because he's be got... Yeah. Because um, just because there's a lot more competition. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, if he wants to get over to... I feel he has to go to Europe. I would love... I would love him. I know everyone says German League, Bundesliga, or whatever. I would love Miles Robinson. And I think it would be a better test than the German Leagues would be going to the championship in England. Because be wild. it's, I mean, talk about a dogfight, man. It's yeah. a ho- It's a horrible, it's a great league yeah. to, um, well, it, it can be a great league to watch, but it is just, it's just such a dogfight. It's, yeah. I feel like that would really help improve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he should definitely go to Birmingham City because I feel like we're in need of a center back anyway. He's going to get, I mean, he's going to get a whole lot of work um and then and then it's probably a good springboard to the premier league or a, or an upper league upper league uh a, a, a premier upper league of a different league. upper tier upper league thank you thank you, you. Um, upper so, i like that upper teague upper teague i, mean, I know what you yep. bet so yeah <laughs> hashtag hb4d upper teague. um any other comments on columbus before we move to the download Oh, crumbs. Um, yeah, another thing on the Barco goal, he was in front of five defenders. Yeah. Which I don't think anybody's really paid that much attention to. Um, but we haven't seen, you know, we would always just see, I, mean, I hope it's apparent to Barco because we've always seen him dribble up, get into a little bit of resistance. And then pass it around those defenders rather than moving through them. Like that exactly. was, it's, again, that's what we've been clamoring for. Either take a shot yep. from the outside of them or make some sort of space to the interior side of that. So that a ball can be passed behind the line. So mm-hmm. it was definitely nice to see that development. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, I think the past, I think he played in Montreal. I think the past few games have shown, Jackson Conway needs a lot more development. I agree. Um, I, agree. I, I feel like, I mean, he's strong. He is yeah. strong. Yeah. He can, I mean, he was pulling defenders around in the box and also the absolute cannon that he put oh, on uh, oh Mensa's face. His face was going to fall off. Oh, what <laughs> yeah. a shot. 
Oh man, that was all, that looked like it was going on frame too. I mean, obviously, it's hard to kind of yeah follow that trajectory, but what a rocket, man! My word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've got. I mean, um, yeah, Barker was shooting from outside the box again. Um, yeah, and another another con to uh, Jackson Conway. All right. Great thing about LAFC. They're not first in the West and have they, a negative trajectory over the past like six weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to one of their podcasts. I think it was the heart of LAFC. Uh, they're great. That I didn't realize how many podcasts they have. They have almost as many as Atlanta United. Um, to find who who their silly who their silly show is to, to uh, Well, the one I listened to, I think it was uh, the heart of LAFC or something like that. Uh, it was it was really good. They were, they've done a really good job there. So you should definitely go uh, check them out. So yeah, LAFC. They are where are they? They're oh, in the seventh. Seventh in the West. Oh, oh, I'm seventh. sorry, Kevin. Is this the seventh Kevin the load? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't handle a Kevin load, Dan. No, I absolutely nobody can. <laughs> So they've got 23 points, which is more than us. Uh, their past few games, they haven't had a win since. Holy moly. Um, past matches, this isn't helpful. They haven't had a win in a while because their past um, the past five games have been uh, a lost, well, three losses and two draws. Um, they're rated just about around the same rating as Atlanta United, which is interesting because we... I feel like everybody's in agreement that the East is a lot stronger than the West uh, this year. And Elliot Beaven saying they don't have Mark Anthony Kay anymore. So the Mac has gone. Um, they still have some guys. So they lost. Let's just go through the scores. So they lost to San Jose 2-1. Uh, they lost to Sporting Kansas City 4-1. Drew with Minnesota 2-2. Drew with Vancouver Whitecaps, who seem to be getting a lot better, uh, 2-2. And then they lost to Portland Timbers, 2-1. So they've been showing some some not good form lately because that's great for me. I don't really like Bob Bradley. I think he's – I just don't like his attitude. I don't like his attitude. Uh, But I know a lot of people love him. It's great this is in the Benz. We've only played them twice. Uh, we beat them 5-0 last time they came to the Benz. I just remember Jamaltinho uh, just getting, I think he got a red card in the past last five minutes, and he just got worked all night. It was fantastic. I believe that was the game that Chris McCann got a red card in the first two That's minutes. That's right. That's right. And then it and got then overturned. Eric, and then, yeah, exactly. And then Eric was going on about, the the freeze frame second by second of how that slide came in and all of that yeah yeah so and then we went there went down four nil i feel even a span of i think it was five minutes That's right and then we then clawed back to the very back. end yeah that Four was back. the beginning I'm, of two years ago or early last year. I can't remember. I think but yeah. it was 19. Yeah, it was, it was 19 because the ball yeah. was there. Yeah. Uh, and Pity was sulking on the bench, I think. But I just remember um, Julian Gressel 
I think it was Diamande was trying to do some stuff with the with the boy, oh, yeah. just wasting oh, yeah. time, and Julian Gressel was like pushing him and being yeah. like real aggro on him, which was great. I love to see it, but we still didn't manage. So we've still got a good uh, was it nine to four goal tally on them. I feel like the way the LAFC are going, I mean, they the impression was that they would um, beat the gosh i'm gonna have to go back to it now i'm sorry they were who were they playing last okay Uh, san jose they should have beaten san jose right but they didn't they lost 2-1 so this should be hopefully a lot of um good vibes because has gone out of lafc rob bradley doesn't strike me to be the kind of guy who's gonna you know get everyone together and burn some sage to get the the bad the bad spirits out i believe he's he's more of a kind of guy that's gonna you know be a soft talker and you know give you a kick up the ass when you need it so i'm <laughs> i'm hoping that it it continues to keep falling apart for for afc obviously it's great that they're going to be atlanta i think we're in the upper direct upper direct upper um trajectory where they're on the down so i'm gonna go Two nil, Atlanta United. I'm saying Barco scores a goal, and I'm saying Joseph scores a goal. All right. Well, we are in agreement with two of the things on your prediction, which is the number of goals that Atlanta scores, as well as one of those goals coming from Joseph Martinez. I'm calling for two one Atlanta, just because Atlanta continues to allow. So many goals week over week, it seems like. I don't know how they keep a clean sheet right now. I don't have confidence that this team is capable of doing that. Particularly, <laughs> like Even though LAFC is in a slump, um, they still have a lot of offensive firepower that I think is going to give us a little bit of a challenge. Um, I mean, you've got a golden boot winner uh, leading that charge, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how Atlanta keeps a clean sheet. Yes, it's at home. Yes, I agree. Both teams are on sort of opposite slopes of their year-end trajectory or mid-season trajectory, depending on which way you cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that Atlanta kind of builds on the momentum coming off of last game. Joseph being back will only help continue to do that. Um, and so I'm saying 2-1 Atlanta with my two goals coming from Joseph and Hosetu. I think that he is oh, going to slot one of those in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. So, Mr. Mr. Tim gets us his score prediction in here. Not that it really matters, but he's calling for a 3-3 draw in a barn burner. Who you got scoring those there, Mr. Tim? Um, who else we got here while he's typing that up? Uh, 3-1 good guys from Max Plays Games. Uh, Brittany S. also saying the same thing. You think we can keep a clean sheet? Uh, Elliot Beaven, 4-0 Atlanta. Brittany S, 3-2 Atlanta. Um, Kendrick, if we keep a clean sheet, it's because the other team didn't try. Uh, <laughs> Chiefs coach Steve, I'm also 2-1. Good guys train. Uh, Kendrick saying 2-2 draw. Matt Wisniewski, 3-2 Atlanta. Joseph with a brace. And Moreno slotting home the third. All right. Man, Elliot Beaven, if we get 4-0, that would be just... Uh... Yeah, 
Tim doesn't answer within the next two minutes on who his three are. I'm assuming that he said Guzan hat trick, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> he's probably saying Barco Moreno and uh, Joseph. I bet that's probably. who he's saying. Try and get try and get all the guys. Spread it out. Spread it out. Um, so, what yeah, do you man. think is a um, Araujo going to be starting? Don't worry about visas. Just what do you think? No, I think even if he's available, he doesn't start. Yeah. If he's available, I, I think, I think comes if he's available, he plays, but I don't think he starts either way. Why? I just think that it's it's too soon. I mean, it's that's a lot to to put on a player that's just arrived and has been training with the team for a week. Like I think that he can come in and still make a difference late in the game without getting that starting position and putting putting the entire like the whole team then has to react to him. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's a weird thing that everybody has to respond to and figure out um, that I think is going to maybe mess with some of that development that we've seen in recent weeks that could, you you don't want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of deal. Right. Like he's certainly going to be an addition to this team and certainly has a a place to play, but I think that it's Mm going to take at least a couple weeks before he's starting. But I think that he still could come in late and make a big difference whenever those key pieces aren't necessarily playing because it's late in the game anyway. But he's in pre, I mean, he's had a preseason. I believe he even played a game with Leon. Like he's match ready. It's not about being match ready from a fitness level. It's more the chemistry level. Like I think that right now this team is clicking in a manner that they haven't this season. And I don't know that bringing in a new player that none of them have played with is going to help that. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're building and, and expanding on runs and awareness around where everyone's at and how that run of play takes shape because they're practicing and playing together week over week. He hasn't just, he hasn't been a part of that. It's not about his fitness level. I think he can still come in that last, you know, 15, 20 minutes and have a, a standout performance without, being right out the gate so who are you going to play on right wing then um who did it's we like have in there? lopez chol dam i think that's those are your options i think so too and um, i don't like any of them yeah i mean i've been i've been more on the lopez train than the others um, and that would probably be who I would pick of the three, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he def- oh, Lopez definitely right, has exactly had like more Hernandez, starts. Which is what we did against Montreal. So, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just want to see the guy. I want to see some. Oh, I want to see him too. So, yeah. do you think he starts if he's available? I would. Okay. I'm just going to do it. I paid twelve million for you. Get on that field. Get on that field. Send the ball home. <laughs> Send the ball home. It wants to go home. I like it. I like it. Now I'm just giving right. you a hard time, but I just wanted to talk about it. Oh man. All right. So um, thank you guys so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight the show will go up on podcatchers because I don't have to work right after this broadcast, so I have the time to do that editing and get that up. So if you're listening to us, however you found us, be sure to 
Like, subscribe, tell a friend, leave some stars, leave a review, leave a thumbs up, hit a bell icon, whatever it is. Just start tapping that phone or tapping the mouse on whatever's available on that screen. So um, you can find us each individually online. Uh, Dan, where can they find you? You'll find me at DNJMS, DNJMS on Twitter or to the power of Dan and follow me and Will Bauer on because the only person who's followed me on Peloton. <laughs> Find me as well at the architect. That's at B underscore ARC number one T E C T. Find all the boys over on Twitter at home before dark. That's before spelled B and the number four. Like Tim says, just tap that whatever it is. Just tap it. Just tap it. So thank you guys so much for tuning in however you found us um you make this show what it is each and every week and until next week as always be home before dark so just to shout out to you kevin because you've been working your ass off lately and you're getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to these workouts so they keep getting these bings on my apple watch i'm like what the fuck is this oh god he's been working out again 500 calories i mean and still being able to do the show i mean that's that's a that's a it's a lot of work. So thanks, Kev. Everybody no should be grateful. The 10 people it. in a trap and the seven people <laughs> who actually listen to the podcast. Should, myself, are one of those seven. I think yeah, between me, you, and grateful. Tim, we get an even 20. Uh, that listen. Right. That's, that's nice. That's nice. I do it for, I do it for the people. So That's true. Uh, shout out to Chief Co. Steve. It was great to see him in real life down at the Rush Union Fields where uh, my son is playing. We've got our first tournament this weekend, so that should be fun. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, let's go thrash the shit out of LAFC because they're just a wannabe Atlanta. 